Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I wanted to play, and we are going to talk to Toby Leary. He's going to join us at 2.20. So if you have any questions about the Second Amendment, um, about guns, about uh, ammo, or the gun range, you can call in at 2.20, and we will get right to your questions. But one thing I wanted to talk about before that, we had David Marcus on yesterday. And if you miss any of the shows, if you ever miss any of our interviews, you just go to gracecurlyshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to them in full. With all that being said, David Marcus was on and he was discussing the E. Jean Carroll case with us. E. Jean Carroll's the woman who accused Trump of raping her in 1990. She said four, and then I think she changed it to five, and then maybe at one point it was 1996. Very unclear when this happened. It supposedly happened in a dressing room at Bergdorf Goodman. And she is now... She's been awarded $83.3 million from this jury in New York in damages, defamatory damages from Donald Trump, according to this jury, because he was he was very outspoken about the fact that she should not be trusted and that she was lying. And by saying that, they said he defamed her. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the left is so obsessed with Trump that they're celebrating this as a win. Like, you would think they won $83 million. The women of The View came out to Donald Trump's theme song to Apprentice. Money, 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 money. And they all walked out to it, and they were so happy. Like, you would have thought that they just found out, I don't even know, They that Joe Biden got reelected. Like, they were so excited. And then Whoopi Goldberg gets to her seat, and she has to explain... Because that's how you know a bit is really top notch is if you have to walk the audience through it. She has to explain to the audience, we just played the song Money, 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 Money because that was the theme song of The Apprentice. And Donald Trump has to pay E. Jean Carroll $83 million in case anyone didn't follow it. And E. Jean Carroll is also excited about this. And she goes on with Rachel Maddow, who is also over the moon about this news that Donald Trump is going to have to pay this woman $83 million. By the way, by the time it's appealed, this is going to go on forever. He's not going to pay her $83 million. But sure, if they want to run with that headline, if, if they want to live in that world where that's really going to happen, go for it. Anyway, though, so E. Jean Carroll goes on with Rachel Maddow. Now, the last time I saw an interview with E. Jean Carroll that I played on this show was when she was on with Anderson Cooper and she was talking about rape being sexy. And she was so strange and bizarre that Anderson Cooper went to break because he was clearly uncomfortable and nervous about where the interview was going. Now, this is the woman that the left is propping up as this reliable narrator that they want to make into their latest hero. 
so now she goes on Rachel Maddow to talk about the fact that she won $83 million. And Rachel decides to ask her about what she's going to do with this money. Let's have cut seven, please. You've talked about using some of Trump's money you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such such great ideas for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Nothing. Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing nope. in France? No? Oh, all right, all right. Okay. That's a joke. That's her lawyer saying that's a joke. At least she has some idea of how this is going to play to the audience and that maybe this isn't what you want to be saying. But does the left really not understand how encouraging this is not a good idea? Because I don't think they're dumb. I really don't. And Rachel Maddow, visibly uncomfortable, sitting there. And she's, you know, she's, she's a journalist. She's the one who's delivering truth to the American people. And she's laughing alongside this kook over how she's going to buy fishing rods and, and mansions for people in France. And it's so, it's so funny to them because, and it's funny to them because... It's all an effort to get Donald Trump. And again, the ends justify the means. And what David Marcus said yesterday, which I think is really important to point out, is it might not shock people that this would happen to Donald Trump because he is a very outgoing character. He does have a lot of feuds with people. He's obviously very hated. But it it can happen to a Brett Kavanaugh. It can happen to someone who's a lot more modest and a lot more... um, soft-spoken and shy and we've seen this play out before and I just think it's really dangerous that the media does this that the media plays along and gives people like E. Jean Carroll a platform to make a mockery of something like this 844-500-4242 When we come back, we are going to talk to Toby Leary. We have a lot to get to into a Tuesdays, and um, we'll take any of your questions for him as we go. But something I wanted to let people know about is the Nossip Beach Inn. The Nossip Beach Inn just opened reservations for winter getaways, and Jared's not in today, but he stayed at the Nossip Beach Inn before, and he absolutely loved it. He actually stayed there during the off-season, which... Cape Cod in the off season is a beautiful place to be. It's tranquil. You don't have to deal with all the craziness of the traffic and the crowds, but you get all of the beauty. You can be right on the beach. You can see the stars. You can enjoy the fire pits or the fireplaces inside each room. The views are incredible. There's so much to love at the Nauset Beach Inn. 
And right now, you can stay at the Nosabee Gin for under $200 this winter. So don't delay because these rooms go fast. The Nosabee Gin is pet-friendly, has a view from every room, and the check-in is contactless. It's a great place to stay during school vacations. And to reserve your ocean view room, you can go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com. Now, one other thing I wanted to mention here in regards to this E. Jean Carroll comment is she said other things in this interview. Um, Let's also play cut eight because I think this is important. She talks about whether or not she would sue Trump again. This is cut eight. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It wasn't too much. um, It wasn't too much wear and tear on you. I mean, the the guts factor here is real in terms of how much you put yourself out there. A lot of big, strong people have been putting themselves, wouldn't put themselves through what you've gone through. Rachel, many people, as, as you know, have been through much worse than I went through at that trial. People suffered more difficult things than I've ever been through in my life. And by the way, I would argue that going up against Trump is a very, very easy way to become the darling of the media, which is what we're seeing. We're seeing an unstable woman who's being applauded by Rachel Maddow and being celebrated by the women of The View. This isn't something where she was going to get a lot of heat from the media. And somebody who's not afraid, who's never afraid to say how she really feels is Megyn Kelly. I wanted to play this cut. This is cut 10. Megyn Kelly talking about this moment. Cut 10. Let's just entertain for a minute the possibility that Trump is the truth teller here, that Trump actually has no memory of this person and certainly didn't sexually assault her, and that she really is some sort of a kook who decided to make up a story about him to get her name in the headlines, to potentially get money from a deep-pocketed guy. The media has zero appetite for entertaining that possibility. And therefore, they take umbrage at his, she's a whack job. What's he supposed to say if somebody came out against you, Glenn, from when, you know, 20 years ago when you were 20, right? You'd be like, this person's a nutcase. I don't know them. And so that's really what Trump has been saying. And for that now, he's going to have to pay almost $100 million. And you know what's the crazy part, too? Well, there's so many parts of it that are crazy. But one thing that I that I think about is when you when someone accuses you of something and they can't give a date or any specifics, it's really hard to disprove something if the person doesn't even name a specific time or place or date. And I go back to Brett Kavanaugh because it's hard not to draw similarities. But we also talk about this with the left sometimes when we talk about the debates we have and how they, they are always changing the language because if they're not making anything a specific definition, then it's easy for them to come in and out of arguments and kind of best conservatives because we don't even know what we're arguing about how do you argue about men and women and and rights and sports if you can't even define what a woman is it's the changing of the language that they actually appreciate and you could you could draw something similar to this which is if you can't say the date in which you think he sexually assaulted you how is he supposed to defend himself and say it didn't happen because he could say well it didn't I know I didn't do it on December 15th because I was in this place, but she's not saying a date. Or I know that I never met her at Bergdorf because I was out of the country. But if she never says a year, then he can't say that. 
if she's extremely vague, then it's really hard for him to prove. And by the way, that's not how it's supposed to be anyway. You're not supposed to have to prove that you're innocent. It's innocent until proven guilty. But in the case of Donald Trump, what do they always say? He's not above the law. Yeah, he's beneath the law. So it doesn't apply to him. So instead, he has to somehow prove that he's innocent, despite the fact that his accuser will not even specify, forget a time. How about a year? And not only vague, but inaccurate. Did you see the the magazine cover? She got that cover and she said, this is the outfit I was wearing. And the dress wasn't even created at the time. Exactly. But that's why I think, Emma, she never wanted to pinpoint the actual time because then she said, well, then she can just say, well, it wasn't that year. It was the year before. And if you never if if you never pin down an actual time, then you can just keep moving it around. Anytime there's a discrepancy, you can say, well, it wasn't that year. It was the year before. It was the year after. And I just don't understand how it forget it. If you hate Donald Trump, I, I get the people hate him. But how is this going to be the standard going forward? for accusing people of things you throw out an accusation and you don't have to name any sort of specifics but that person's supposed to defend themselves or prove somehow prove they didn't do something 844-500-4242 when we come back we will take your calls for toby leary get on the line now representative Corey bush is currently addressing the justice department's investigation into her misuse of funds has to do with her security guard who i believe she married And, of course, the the layer of this that I really appreciate is that she's a huge proponent of defunding the police. Um, Rules or protection for me, but not for thee, is the way that the Democrats like to do things. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. One other thing I want to say in regards to the E. Jean Carroll of it all, and I'm sure it's not the last we've heard from her. The case that we're talking about is because Donald Trump, according to the jury in New York, defamed E. Jean Carroll in his attempts to exonerate his own reputation or to... um, to dismiss some of the accusations that she was making, they said that he defamed her because she. he said, like, you know, she's a liar and things like that. And I remember during the Brett Kavanaugh witch hunt with Christine Blasey Ford that there was a lot of criticism for the way he was defending himself. Like, oh, his temperament is not good and he's getting too angry and he's yelling. And I just think that these people in the peanut gallery who are telling us how you should be reacting to something like this... Don't you think if these two guys actually are, like, let's play the game like Megyn Kelly said, let's have the hypothetical that they didn't do it. Don't you think the most normal human reaction is to be pretty ticked off and maybe even a little unhinged? I don't think that the normal human reaction, if you get accused of something heinous that you didn't do, is to sit back and take it. And let the person say whatever they want about you. I think what most people would do in that situation is lose lose their cool. And in the case of Brett Kavanaugh, he was accused of being a gang rapist at one point. Again, based off garbage, based off false accusations, based off people with political motivations, 
he was accused of being a gang rapist. This was a guy who was pretty much a square his entire life. And then because they hated Trump and because they hated him, they decided to concoct all of these stories about him and accuse him of the most atrocious things known to man. And once he defends himself, the story becomes, well, he's getting really upset. He seems really angry. He's an angry white man. And it's like, well, if someone accused you of being a gang rapist, wouldn't you get kind of angry? 844-500-4242. We are now talking, totally switching subjects here. We're talking to Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks in Hyannis. Toby, there's so much going on in Massachusetts right now. We've been talking about illegal aliens at the Recreation Center in Roxbury. And Mayor Wu's trying to pass this on to Governor Maura Healy. But you're focusing on Maura Healy for a different reason. You're always following what's going on with the Second Amendment in this state. Can you give us an update on what the Healy administration is trying to pull now? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Grace. This is really important uh, that we talk about this this week. Um, Right after we hung up the phone from Rapid Fire Radio last week, I was walking the show's floor at SHOT Show. Um, the Senate dropped their uh, new bill that is um, in response to the bill that passed the House last November, House Bill 4139. And they came out with their version, uh, which we've been expecting. I expected a little more time on it, uh, and they promised a little more debate on it to get the bill right. Well, guess what? They didn't debate or have public hearings of any type and they dropped a 35-page bill called S called S2572, and um, it is marginally better than the bill that the uh, the House dropped, but it's worse in a lot of ways. Uh, so the the sad thing about this bill, too, Grace, is it's as in all gun control bills in the modern era, they are a solution in search of a problem. They don't address any need that can be solved by the passage of any law. They literally are knee-jerk reactions to try to um, basically punish the law-abiding, the most peaceful citizens in our states and in our cities, and punish them with more punitive, restrictive, uh, you know, activity that will restrict them from exercising the right to keep and bear arms. And so this 35-page bill, um, it deals with assault weapons. It deals with, you know, the quote unquote assault weapons. It deals with uh, manufactured firearms, homemade guns. It deals with licensing. It de- deals with where you can and can't carry. Um, and one of the most offensive parts of it is there's no grandfathering provision. So if you own a gun that was sold after 94, that would be a banned item. They don't reconcile what happens in that situation. And I'm sure this is kind of the hanging chad that they left there on purpose to get us all riled up so that they can fix it in their conference with the house and say, Hey, see, we reconciled that you're going to be able to keep the gun that you want. And, and so, you know, they'll come off as the hero. This is the, it's the red herring, you know, put something in there that's so obviously offensive. But um, I had a listener on my show, Grace point out that in section uh, 36, it's extremely racist. If you uh, look up the bill, um, section 36, it actually is forming an equity section where uh, it it basically implies that the uh, people of color in the, in certain areas of our state don't have the education or the resources 
to train people on firearm safety without the intervention of the state. What? It is Hold ex- on, Toby. It We're- is extremely offensive. We're going to have to go back to this because yeah. this kind of ties into what you always say about gun control and how the origins of it are so racist. It has racist roots to begin with. we got to circle back on this when we come back. We'll take more of your calls for Toby. It's 844-500-4242. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. If you have a question for Toby Leary, hop on the line. It's 844-500-4242. We do have people who are waiting to talk to Toby. We're going to take your calls. But first, Toby, I would love for you to finish um, what you were saying about this this crazy update regarding gun control and it kind of goes back to what you were telling us well you've told us so many times before which is that a lot of the roots of gun control are very racist yeah and this is no different it just continues on um i would be extremely offended if i was a person of color in um in these communities it's i'll read to you from the section it says it requires the department of public health in the Executive Office of Public Safety and Security to develop a pilot program to promote equity and access to gun safety awareness and firearm licensing education through community-based outreach. The pilot program shall prioritize communities that experience barriers to accessing culturally competent and geographically accessible gun safety and firearms licensing educational resources. So they're saying, you know, because you're a person of color, Grace, you can't seek out competent gun, you know, training. And I know several um, instructors that are doing a phenomenal job uh, training people of color. That's the National Association for, uh, I'm sorry, the National African American uh, Guns right, Gun Rights Group, NAGA. I've had them on my radio show. They're doing a great job. They're, they're training tons of people and they're competent instructors. And this is so offensive to say to them, like, hey, uh, we're going to take it from here, fellas, because you're not doing a good job. And uh, you're, you're obviously can't do it without our help. That's really the, in the overtone of what's going on. And I tell you, we've trained more people of color in the last uh, 10 years, probably than the prior 20 years were, were trained in this state. It's, it is a huge surge of uh, minority and women taking classes and getting training and getting competent in, instruction all over the state. It's not just at Cape Gunworks. So this is highly offensive to everyone involved. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, really well said, Toby. Let's go to the callers now. And again, if you want to call in, it's 844-500-4242. You can also text in 617-213-1066. Start the text with the word curly, C-U-R-L-E-Y. Let's go to Kevin. You're first up with Toby. Go ahead, Kevin. Hey, Toby. Thank you, thank you for taking my call, Grace. Um, I'm a, I'm, I lived in Massachusetts all my life and moved up to New Hampshire probably about seven years ago. And I recently took the um, 39 state license to carry course, applied to Florida because you have to have different states to you know cover the 39 states. Applied to Florida, no problem getting my license. Massachusetts, I have to get the, my license to carry in Massachusetts only because they don't honor anybody else's licenses. 
and they gave me an appointment date for August. I applied about a month ago. Is there some type of statute of limitations or anything like that that you know of, um, or is there anybody I can get? Because that that would be, from the time I applied, that, that would be about nine months just to get an interview to even apply for my license to carry. So, you know, by the time everything's all said and done, I'm looking at a year before I can get my license to carry in mass. So do you know of any any avenues to take to speed the process up? Unfortunately, Kevin, uh, justice delayed is justice denied. Well, same thing with rights delayed or rights denied. And uh, this state does it to an expert level. And uh, you have you're stuck in this unconstitutional vortex where you have to get a non-resident license to carry in order to carry a gun in this state or else they will charge you with unlawful uh, possession, even though you have you can carry in 39 other states. Uh, but except for Massachusetts, we don't have reciprocity with anyone. So um, the good news is nine months is better than it was a few months ago. There were people who were waiting over a year just to get the appointment to meet at the Department of Public Safety in Chelsea in order to apply. So nine months, they've shaved about four months off that process by what you're telling me, which is not good news. Um, and then on top of it all, it's renewable every year and you have to appear in person every five years. So it's, it's just unbelievable. They are trying to make it as difficult as possible for somebody to exercise the right to keep and bear arms, even though they don't require it for coming down to a church or a house of worship or to go to a, uh, you know, public event or to petition your government or, you know, none of that requires that type of license to exercise any of our other enumerated rights. But Kevin, unfortunately, uh, this has become a second class right and they're doing everything they can in their power to keep it that way. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Sean, you're up next on the Grace Curley show with Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. Go ahead, Sean. Hi, Toby. How are you today? Great, thanks. How are you? Hello. Good. Um, I'm yep, actually getting you. ready to send by. I'm getting ready to. Go ahead, John. Hello. Yeah, you're I'm good. Go ahead. To send my paper, my paperwork out for my LTC, and are they still? Do you still have to put a letter of recommendation? I thought my teacher from my class said that they're not looking for that anymore, but I can't remember. Yeah, no, your teacher was correct. They do not need that. You don't need that anymore. And uh, you don't need references. You don't need to give a reason why and all that, even though, you know, it's on the form still. They haven't changed the form. Uh, but uh, under, the, under the law, it's not required. Under the, after the Bruin decision, you don't have to give a reason why you need to exercise your right. You don't need some special letter from a friend who says you're of good character. That's what they were trying to do, and, and they have done for a while in this state. So you should be good to go. Um, if you want to put it down, it won't hurt, but you definitely don't need it. It's not required by law. And, and that changed pretty recently, right, Toby? Because I remember when my husband was getting it, he still needed a, a recommendation letter. Yes. Yeah, yep. You, it changed in the last uh, year and a half. But the the thing is, it, it was so inconsistent from department to department. Some oh. of them wanted three 
letters of recommendation. Some of them wanted one. Some of them wanted uh, a certain verbiage on why you wanted your gun. You know, others are requiring live fire. It's it's just unbelievable. It's the wild, wild west as far as uh, what each town can do. And uh, unfortunately, they're still at those tricks a little bit, but not as bad as after the Bruin decision came down. Understood. All right, let's go to Bill. You're up next with Toby. Go ahead, Bill. Hi there, Toby. Bill, uh, my biggest question would be, how, how much longer before they start take, going for the other weapons, like pepper guns and arrows and such? Well, they tried that earlier. Had a hard, like originally they were going after handguns. That was what, you know, the 70s and 80s saw, the Saturday night specials. They wrote songs about it, and that was what they were really trying to ban. In fact, in, at one point, it was on the ballot in Massachusetts to ban handguns. This goes back in, the eight, I think, 80s, maybe late 70s. And uh, that's, you know, more people die a year from handguns than any other arm combined. So um, that's really where, you know, if you were trying to make the argument to make life safer and do away with any type of gun, you'd do away with handguns because that's where more people die from. But uh, they know they can't get away with that. So they're, they're inventing terms like assault weapons and ghost guns and, you know, to make it sound real scary and, and dangerous. And and uh, the fact of the matter is there's millions and millions of these guns in common and ordinary use. And uh, so I think they're in it for the long haul. There's no question about it. Gabby Gifford said Guns, period. No more guns, period, on one of her tweets. They're saying the quiet part out loud. So they want to ban assault weapons. They want to ban high-capacity magazines. Then they're going to go after handguns. Then they're going to go after long-range sniper rifles, which is basically your hunting deer gun. And they're in it for the long haul. It's death by a thousand cuts. So it's a great question. All right, let's go to Dean. You're up next with Toby. Go ahead, Dean. Hi, Toby. Thanks for taking my call. I I was uh, denied an LTC in Massachusetts uh, a few years ago, and the reason they told me is because I had a a gun incident in like 1977 when I was 17 years old. I got caught firing a 22 rifle in a sand pit, um, and they charged me with firing within 500 feet of a dwelling. And I was told that I can't get a gun license because of that. So I was curious. If Do you know if a, it was a misdemeanor or a felony? Dean, do you know if it, it was, was a misdemeanor or a felony? All right. I would it reapply now. In a post-Bruin world, you can't be denied your right to keep and bear arms for a misdemeanor, even if it was a gun-related crime. There's a big case right now that I'll talk about in a future date that, that deals with that exact situation. But you should be able to get it now. I would reapply in the post-Bruin world. All right. Thank you, Dean. Let's go to Tony. You're up next with Toby. Go ahead, Tony. Hey, good morning or good afternoon. Hi, Toby. Um, I just hey, want to let you know I am in the throes. I am in the throes of uh, renewing my uh, non-res uh, permit to carry, and uh, I don't know if you know it, but they advise the people over at uh, in Chelsea advise you to uh, apply three months in advance for your permit so you can make sure you get it in time, um, which yeah. I did, and. I actually am not friends with, but I know by first name several of the people that have fingers on these permits. And I called him and I said, hey, where's that? Do you have any idea? He goes, no, you've been approved, but because we were swamped with so much stuff that, uh, you know, 
just wait another month. Hopefully it'll get there. But, you know, you're, you're all set. Just it, it's going to take more time. So, you know, we're in four months, almost, almost, a, you know, a quarter, a quarter of the year, you know, or a third of the year. And uh, I'm, now I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, these guys, I'm sure they're up to their rearings and alligators, you know, but it's just, right. it's, out of control. So now my, you know, my weapon is sitting in my draw. I mean, that's all taken apart. So, but I don't know. I guess technically it's illegal for me to possess it in the state because I don't have my permit. Um, but are you a mass resident, so Tony? Want, are you a mass resident? No, I'm. Uh, are you a no, mass resident? No, I'm a resident of New Hampshire. No, I'm a resident of New Hampshire. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, you just won't be able to take it in the state if it expired, but. For those who are mass residents, if it expires and you've already renewed, you'll be grandfathered in for, for now. But this new bill probably will change all that. It's a comprehensive gun ban bill that is, there's nothing good about it. So you got a couple of day, you got a day and a half left to call your senators. I urge everyone to call their state senator and, and tell them to vote no on this, uh, Senate bill S2572 and say and call Karen Spilka's office and tell her that this needs a hearing. It needs to be delayed. There's no way it should be voted on Thursday. Um, so they want to try and bring this to the floor for a vote Thursday. The bill dropped last week, and it is a horrific bill that aims at making most peaceful people in Massachusetts felons overnight. So we can't stand for that. All right. Now, Toby, we are uh, out of time here. And anyone who was trying to call in and get their questions answered, there's always next week. So just wait on that. Can you let people know, Toby, where they can follow you on social media and where they can find you in person? Yeah, thanks, Grace. Um, You can always catch up to us at rapidfireradio.us. I'll be talking a lot about this on my show tomorrow, this bill. Uh, that they're trying to vote on Thursday. And uh, you can also tune in and uh, subscribe to all of our social media content at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio, wherever you get social media, all the big tech ones, plus some of the alt ones. And come on down to Cape Gunworks. We're here seven days a week. You can shoot on the range, take a class, get your LTC process started and buy that next gun, be a member uh, there's a lot of advantages to being a member at Cape Gunworks, and I'd love to have you join us and um, come and see us in person or uh, check us out on the web at capegunworks.com. You can shop there and sign up for a class as well. So thanks for having us on, Grace. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week. We'll talk next week. Toby, thank you very much, sir. Today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Tours and the November 16th listener getaway to Iceland with Caroline Levitt, which is going to be so much fun, and you guys should definitely check it out. For more information, go to gracecurlyshow.com and click on the listener getaway banner. And you can also still vote in the poll question. You still have time. There's about 10 minutes left. Emma Foley, what's the poll question, and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question is, does a celebrity endorsement help a candidate? Yes, it always helps. It depends on the celebrity. No, it always hurts. Or it makes no difference. It makes no difference. And what I'll tell conservatives is, if you're worried about this Taylor Swift endorsement of Joe Biden, what's going to help Joe Biden more than anything else is if Donald Trump attacks Taylor Swift over endorsing Joe Biden. I'm I'm putting out the warning right now. That is what we don't want. Do not die on the Taylor Swift hill. It's like... It's like rock, paper, scissor. Taylor Swift 
covers rock. You're not going to beat Taylor Swift. She is going to win this battle. And so just let it go. The people who pay attention to her politics are probably going to vote for Joe Biden anyway. So just l- let it roll off your back. But my answer is doesn't make a difference because it kind of all comes out in the wash, I think. 44% agree with you. 48% say it depends. And 6% say no, it always hurts. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk to Howie Carr about the situation in Roxbury. Don't go anywhere. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. Why us? Rich communities won't get this. It's disrespectful. Those were just some of the comments that residents in Roxbury were making in a Zoom call with Tanya Fernandez-Anderson about the fact that the recreation center there is going to be used as a migrant shelter. They're saying potentially, but I think it's it's probably pretty likely at this point. Joining us now to discuss this insane story and the responses to it is Howie Carr. Howie, give us your reaction right off the bat. Well... I've been saying this for months, you know, since August. Where, where are the uh, the rich people? Where, why aren't they taking a a part in this celebration of diversity? You know, when they when that list came out last last month, none of the none of the rich communities in the state had taken in anybody. Places like Concord had taken in a handful because they have that motel out on Route Two across the street from the MCI Concord, but. That's basically the only rich community that's took, taken in anybody. Uh, you know, Arlington, where uh, where the governor lives, they're they're next door to Woburn, which is overwhelmed with a tidal wave of Haitian illegal aliens, and they're not, they're not taking in anybody. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad Roxbury. I, I feel bad for Roxbury, but I'm glad they're waking up to what's going on. Yeah, and I thought one of the most absurd comments was from Scott Rice, the retired lieutenant general, who said um, that. They're hoping that they can have the continuation of the recreation programs, even if it becomes this migrant shelter. And I'm saying to myself, so because they have like the Boston United track club that that uh, practices there. So you're trying to tell me that they're going to bring in well, all these people and they're going to keep having kids play sports there and keep well, having yeah, track teams it's, there. It's it's like what they're doing with the uh, the courthouse in East Cambridge there on uh, Cambridge Street. You know, they uh, they they want to they want to make half of it where the uh, where the the uh, probate court used to be they want to make that into a, an illegal alien shelter and and the people who are on the other side of the building in the uh, registry of deeds they're going crazy because they uh, they're saying hey hey wait a second what are we going to do for security and and you know those are those they got deeds in that part of the building suppose they set the building on fire when they're roasting a goat some night after midnight howie cars got this and another crazy story from massachusetts don't go anywhere 